Welcome to Grass Talk Radio. This show is for people who play bluegrass music and anybody who might want to. Howdy, howdy, folks, and welcome back to Grass Talk Radio. Today is going to be just kind of an off-the-cuff diatribe, I guess, about a variety of subjects that happen to be on my mind. And so... um, I don't have a big plan for this one. I've just got a few scratched out notes. But anyway, I hope you will enjoy the episode nonetheless. Um, Because, as my good friend Buddy Ashmore is so prone to say, you'll call him up and say, What you been doing, Ashmore? And he'll say, Brad, I'm about to pick in my britches. Which means, I'll translate that Ashmoreism for you, it means, man, we need to get together and pick. But as you know right now, no jams, no festivals, no shows, no fun. So trying to fix that last one um, by, you know, you just can't stop picking. But it's just no fun to sit around all by your lonesome and do it. I've How many times have I said that? So, you know, I was telling you a couple episodes ago about playing with that uh, Feely and Dave's CD, just playing along because they didn't have a bass, and I'm just going to play this stuff, and I get to Billy in the low ground, and they got the chords. They're doing it differently than the way I know the tune. And I said to myself, you know, I really I like that tune a lot, so I'm going to record me a jam track for Billy in the low ground, and that was like lighting the fuse on a big project which I'm going to come back and talk about in a minute, but I did record my Billy in the Low Ground track, and I'll tell you about that a little further into the episode. First thing, let's get the garden talk out of the way, because since we can't do bluegrass, we can grow tomatoes and watermelons and all that. Just give you a quick update, because I know that some of you are gardening, and all of you should, even if you live in a high-rise apartment and you just have a little pepper plant out on your patio. Uh, Gardening is a good thing, and it puts you in tune with nature, because that is something sorely missing from a lot of people's lives, and the more that you can be in tune with nature, uh, Mother Nature, uh, the natural world, etc., I think the more balanced of a person you will be. So anyway, here's the quick garden update. Finally getting some rain, a couple of days of you know, little, little, get those little three-minute showers, what I call the Florida shower. You know, it comes every afternoon about 4.30, and it only lasts about 15 minutes, maybe. <clears throat> but getting a lot of those little pop-up thunderstorms, and it's, it's, it's so funny because it's what I call, or what I think a lot of people call, the devil's beating his wife. And that's when it's raining, but the sun is out. Surely you've had that occur. You're out there. It's a nice sunny day. There's a few few clouds and it's raining, but it's from a cloud about a half a mile away. And that rain is drifting over and falling on you, but it's perfectly sunny where you're standing and you're being rained on. That is known as the devil is beating his wife. That's been happening a bunch, but we did get about a one inch toad floater just uh, yesterday. And it's still kind of overcast and that's still... Uh, helpful to the garden. 
It's certainly going to make those watermelons uh, fatten up. And, man, are they getting big. Those Georgia rattlesnakes, I think they're probably, I don't know, in my little patch, I've probably counted 15 maybe and maybe 10 or 12 uh, cantaloupes in there amongst them. And they're getting big. They're just, and I keep gently rolling them over and having a look at the bottom and watching them grow. They're getting huge. Probably around July the 4th or thereabouts, we'll probably core one and have a look, you know, or get getting close. But along with this time of year come, not only do you get these showers and you get the big fat melons and we're harvesting, let me tell you, a lot of squash, zucchini, the radishes have already come and gone. The lettuce has already come and gone. And uh, sweet potatoes are just spreading out and uh, taking over an area. But, of course, we won't get those sweet potatoes until the fall. Got tomatoes poked around here and there all over the place. But I told you about the dreaded hornworm, which is the larva of a weird little moth. So... You see these happy little moths flying around your garden, and what you don't know is they're laying eggs, and the larva comes out and eats your plants. And uh, anyway, talked about those before the hornworm, but have had the onslaught of some kind of a bug that has decided it likes my squash as much as I do. So we just had baskets full of crookneck squash and zucchini, and now as, as I'm picking them, even when they're small, They've already been attacked. So I'm not one to I like spread a lot of pesticides around. I use a little bit of neem oil, and that's it in the garden. Yeah, because I don't want to eat that stuff. So some of the big zucchinis, if they've got a few holes drilled in them and a little worm enjoying the zucchini, I just chop them up and feed them to the chickens. <clears throat> anyway, I got the freezer full. I've been freezing. I've also been making pickles because our... Our uh, cucumbers are just going in, going crazy. So I I canned, I don't know, when I do like, I don't know, seven quarts of pickles so far. And they're just, you can't pick them fast enough. So I'm making pickles, freezing squash and zucchini, and we're just eating tomatoes and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so the garden is looking pretty good. Uh, the potatoes, I did get a... a most of, about three quarters of the potatoes are already dug uh, and hanging in a burlap bag out there in the barn to kind of air cure them a little bit. I got a couple more rows to come up and I'm converting that part of the garden to sweet corn, kind of a mid-season sweet corn. So I've planted a good bit of that also. All right, that's enough garden talk. Oh, but while I'm on the garden, um, and chickens and all that kind of stuff. You know, this it's somehow related to bluegrass, especially when you can't go out and pick and do all the things that we like to do. Bluegrass certainly has its roots in the rural lifestyle, despite what some might tell you these days. It certainly does. But I had a couple of chickens die. And I hope I hadn't already told this story on here. Had a couple of chickens just go out there in the morning. Chickens keeled over. You know, a healthy hen who was just fine the day before and is just laying there dead. What is going on? And I began to notice eggs missing. Like, we're not getting as many eggs as usual. 
Well, the answer is the Dreadful Snake. Now, you may remember there was a band called the Dreadful Snakes. Uh, had uh, Bela Fleck and Pat Enright, I think, and some other guys. And I think they only put out one album. I'm not even sure they played actual live gigs, except, you know, maybe it like the Station Inn or something. But uh, there was a, a band called the Dreadful Snakes, named after, of course, the tune, The Little Girl and the Dreadful Snake. I did a review of that album, and the album is called Snakes Alive. I did a, I wrote a review for that when that thing first came out, which I don't remember what year that was. I'm guessing maybe 85 or thereabouts, 85, 86. I don't know. Uh, when I was uh, the printer of the Southeastern Bluegrass Association newsletter called The Breakdown, I, I did a record review of Snakes Alive. But let me tell you, I've had snakes alive. I figured out why the chickens were disappearing. I lost three in, I lost three in four days. And I don't know how many eggs. Well, I finally discovered the culprit. And, uh, well, actually, my dog, Sadie, who is our uh, slightly above average Pyrenees. She's not great. I don't want to give her a big head, you know, so I don't call her a great Pyrenees. I just call her somewhat slightly above average Pyrenees. She found the snake. Well, a snake. And this thing was big. It was big around as my arm. Huge, humongous snake. And that snake had been eating the eggs and strangling the chickens. Well, <clears throat> I won't tell you the whole snake story other than I went to remove the snake, quote-unquote, and put him in a more proper location, and I discovered two of them. So, out of the old barn, I pulled two gigantic rat snakes, each one six and a half feet long, 78 inches, by my rough estimation of, you know, like, stretching them, <laughs> stretching them out um, next to a tape measure. Anyway, I've uh, put those guys way, way, way down in the woods where they can do their thing and not bother me. But just yesterday, and let me tell you, I've lived here on this little farm for nine years. I think I've seen one or two little bitty snakes. That's it in all these years. But man, this year, it's snakes alive. And yesterday, that, that other snake, those, those two, I uh, had to deal with um, about a week ago. And then yesterday, Darlene and Jackson are hopping in the car to go to town. And uh, she calls me on her cell phone and says, there's a giant snake right where my car was. And I go out there and I, of course, can't find it. I'm looking around. I did find it, and it was one of their brethren uh, same thing. This one was about six feet. <laughs> Big, gigantic snakes. And boy, do they love to eat eggs. But I'm convinced they were uh, killing the chicken. So now they've been um, relocated, as it were. So goodness gracious, snakes alive. You got to be careful around here. Luckily, I've, I've never seen on my property a rattlesnake, a copperhead, or a water moccasin but I know they're around 
because I see them occasionally run over by a log truck on the road, you know. I've, I've got a skin that I hid from my wife for a good long while. Uh, you know, I picked the snake up the, off the road and was thinking, this would make a nice Dobro strap, have a rattlesnake hide Dobro strap. That'd be really cool, you know. So I, I tanned the hide, but I, I didn't want my wife to see it because she'd think I'd caught it out behind our house or something. But it was actually about a half mile away. Um, haven't turned that thing into a Dobro strap yet, but I will. You know me, I will. Okay, enough about gardens and snakes and critters. And um, I do want to do a quick shout out uh, to the Mandolins and Beer podcast. Um, you know, I shout out all these other podcasts. Hopefully one day they'll shout out this one. Uh, man, I don't know what I just knocked over. Did you hear that? Oh. I'm, I'm out here in the tack room and I'm sitting on top just to show you how everything is in mothballs right now in the tack room. I have my whole PA that I would carry out to gigs and I'm sitting on a Yamaha 15 <laughs> just in case you wonder what my, my stool, I got a pair of Yamaha 15s here and there just in the way I'd rather be hauling them out to a gig or doing a little festival or whatever. But uh, the tack room is crowded with my PA gear right now. Anyway, I want to shout out uh, the Mandolins and Beer podcast. I do listen to that podcast, and I like it a lot. And uh, he just had a guest on there, and I listened to the episode this morning at about 6 o'clock. Um, my old buddy Matt Mundy, who is uh, a, another Atlanta-area musician. He's actually from up and coming. And it was so good. I just, if, if you're listening out there, Daniel, if you're listening, I just want to say it's really good to hear somebody on the podcast with a true Southern accent because Matt does. And Matt's a funny guy. You know, if you meet him, he, he has a, a tremendous sense of humor, but it's kind of in that old school way where everything's real subtle. It's the Buddy Ashmore thing where they kind of reel you in with, uh, anyway, he, he's a very funny guy and uh, country is cornbread, as they say, but he's also, you know, dabbled around in a lot of kinds of music and is just a tremendous mandolin player. And, you know, I've, I've known Matt for a long time and it was fun to hear him talk, you know, tell his story on the Mandolins and Beer podcast because... Every place, every person, everything that he talked about are super familiar to me. I mean, I, I went to see the Aquarium Rescue Unit at the Cotton Club. Me and the guitar player from Cedar Hill, Bob McIsaac, we're coming back from a gig. We're done at, you know, 1130 or whatever. And he's like, hey, you know, uh, Hampton's playing at the Cotton Club. You want to stop by? Of course, they don't. You know, they would start like super late. And uh, Matt Mundy was playing with him at that time. Just a packed house, super loud, fun stuff. And, uh, you know, I've got all those records, all the stuff he was talking about, you know, talking about uh, the uh, Bluegrass Generation stuff. I've got all this stuff and, and know these same people, you know, because if, if you're picking around Atlanta, you're going to run into these people like Gary Looper and, 
you know, Jeff Autry and, you know, people like this. And it was just, it was like a trip down memory lane because, you know, we've bumped into each other a lot. Um, back a few episodes ago, I talked about um, my little workshop booklet, the mandolin workshop. And I think this was probably back in about, I don't know, 85, 86. And I, I put the workshop booklet up for free on my store. And, you know, I talked about you could download my little handwritten thing. And when I heard Matt talking, I remembered that he was there that day. He was also giving a workshop the same day that I was. So we bump into each other every now and then. Didn't see him for a lot of years because he was off doing the, you know, the crazy rock and roll mandolin thing. And then, you know, he started popping up again. Uh, playing with a friend of mine, uh, Curtis Jones. They were they were doing some stuff together, and Matt is a super dude. If so, all I'm saying is um, scope out the Matt Mundy interview over on Mandolin Some Beer. All right, enough of that. Now let's talk. Well, let me do another one of these uh, favor emails. This one is from Bill Stegall, and I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Bill, hi, Brad. I've been listening to Grass Talk Radio for a little over a year. I've caught up on past episodes back to number 18. I'm probably your typical listener. So he must be working through them backwards. You know, in, in, in most podcast uh, feed type things, you can, you know, set them where they're oldest to newest or newest to oldest. And some people work them backwards and some people, you know, begin at one and march forward. Anyway, he must be going backwards, but he's back to number 18. Uh, my name is Bill Stegall, S-T-E-G-A-L-L, and I just turned 65. I live in Lake Forest, California, which is about 20 miles south of Disneyland. And I'll just interject. Uh, right now, it seems like the whole country is Disneyland to me. Okay, that's sidebar. Back to his email. I started playing guitar when I was 13. At 14, I was in my first rock band. We had three guitar players, but no bass player. So I started playing bass. I went on to play in blues and rock bands in the 70s and early 80s. <clears throat> then work and kids caused me to put the guitar and the bass down for about 10 years. In 1997, an old friend called me up and asked me if I wanted to play bass in their Sunday night church band. That brought me back into playing music, and that is where I met my wife. My wife is the piano player at several churches. By the way, I, I've probably mentioned this. My mother was a church organist and pianist my entire life. Okay, back to his email. She worked with this one lady named Shannon from North Carolina. They became friends. Shannon invited us to attend Merle Fest with her in 2006. I've briefly talked about Merle Fest before, my multiple experiences there, uh, one as a performer and one as just an, an attendee, uh, part of the cattle. <clears throat> I do like the festival, but I like it on the other side of the rope a whole lot better. The, the bigger the festival, the more I like being a performer at it, not because of big crowds and egos and stuff. It's just that it's it's a little chaotic when you have so many people and you're just one of the herd. A small festival, I many times I just prefer to you know be an attendee and a picker at a little bitty festival. Okay, back to the email from Bill. 
I had always liked bluegrass, but it wasn't what I usually, usually listened to. I liked bluegrass for two reasons. Most of the songs told a story, and they had tight harmonies. He's right on both things. I had listened to bluegrass and had a few albums, but being from Orange County, had never seen a bluegrass band live. We were blown away at our first Merle Fest. We attended five more until the economy and some other expenses ruled out future trips. What I came away with after our first festival was a love for the mandolin. I bought a $5 one on eBay just to see if I could fret it with my big fingers. The next year, I bought a Michael Kelly F5 model. By the way, those Michael Kellys, when they first came out, a lot of my students had them. They were such a huge step up from the typical El Cheapo mandolins that I even had one for a short period of time and set up and repaired a number of them for my students. Okay, back to Bill's email. You don't want to hear me talk. I still consider myself a beginner and don't play in the bluegrass style very well. I do work into the bumper music I create for podcasts and videos I occasionally produce for our church. And a few times a year, a song comes up that could use a mandolin more than a bass, and I get to play it. I started listening to podcasts more and more to pass the time on my three-hour round-trip commute each day. Break. I used to do that. I used to do that same thing. I used to drive from McDonough, Georgia, up to Atlanta, around 285, out South Fulton Parkway, all the way to Rico, Georgia, back when I was the marketing dude for uh, the Mellow Mushroom Pizza franchise. On a good day, it was an hour to get there and an hour back. So I, I feel your pain there, Bill. I don't do that anymore, and I will never do that again. And, you know, it's funny. Back then, I too, the traffic didn't bother me. I just got in with the flow and, you know, pedal to the metal. And uh, I, now I get around traffic. I just flip out. I, I'm not used to seeing cars. Like, we don't get that many cars go by our place. I get flipped out at the one traffic light in Plains, Georgia. It's like, man, there's a lot of traffic here. <laughs> anyway, back to Bill's email. Uh, my three-hour round-trip commute each day. Most of what I listen to is religious or political or history. I know all the things you're not supposed to talk about at a dinner party. Well, you could probably talk about history, maybe, but somebody always makes it political which it generally is. Uh, anyway, back to his email. Then I decided to find a bluegrass podcast. The first one I tried had bluegrass in the title, but it was about jogging. And there's a bunch of bluegrass podcasts, by the way. You've, you've surely gone on the bluegrass apps and stuff. I mean, the podcast apps and typed in bluegrass and you get like Kentucky basketball and stuff like that. Um, Anyway, the first one I tried was about jogging. Then I found yours and through you, the mandolin and beer podcast. I guess that was in one of my podcast shout outs episode. I'm going to do another one of those. Like, I think I did podcast shout outs and then son of podcast shout outs. I'm going to do bride of podcast shout outs here pretty soon. And then I'm going to stop unless 
I get some reciprocity. I'm going to quit all that. All right. Back to Bill's email. I like your podcast because just like a good bluegrass song, you tell a good story. Well, I don't know if I'm telling a good story today. I'm just kind of rambling, but I do like stories. It's like catching up with an old friend each week, so keep them coming. And since he said each week, again, apologies. I've been a little slack on the podcast here lately, and it's been more like, I don't know, every 10, 12 days. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of getting the wind in my sails again as I see the light at the end of the tunnel, and I'm hearing people talk about festivals that they're planning to have and things like this, you know. And he says, so keep them coming. Sincerely, Bill Stegel. Thanks, Bill. I appreciate you sending that in. And I'll, I'll keep working my way through the stacks. And if you're out there listening, I don't care who you are. If you're listening, shoot me an email and tell me your little story. And I'll read yours on the podcast, or better yet, record it. I really like that. I just like playing your voice. You've heard those on the show. I really like that method the best. You know, just grab your iPhone, hit the record thing, whatever, and start talking. Okay. Sadie has decided to bark a bunch. I don't know if you can hear that. Probably the UPS guy or something. <clears throat> okay. So let me tell you... Um, what I want to talk about for this episode, and that is talking about about to pick in my britches, and I wish I had somebody to pick with, and all this stuff. And then I I sat down and created the billion low ground track, so I could actually play it the way I know it, you know. So I get to working on this, and with some help from my son Jackson, who has gotten really, really. Um, advanced in his ability to work in a digital audio workstation, what's known as a DAW. You know, I most of my recording experience goes back to, you know, hanging around studios where they were recording on two-inch tape and actually physically cutting the tape. And, you know, that was where I, you might say, I cut my teeth on learning something about it. And then it was playing around with um, multi-track cassette recorders, which Matt Mundy was talking about those on the Mandolin's of Beer interview. You know, the old Task Cam 4-track and stuff like that. And then moved toward digital and little digital home recording audio workstation type things like the Boss BR-8 that I did so much stuff with. And then the computers were coming along, and at first it was all MIDI. It was just MIDI, MIDI, MIDI. And then, you know, it became economical to mix and record directly using computers rather than standalone digital stuff. And that's about the point that I sort of checked out, you know, it's like, I don't know. It just, I wasn't all that interested, but Jackson got really super interested in it. And uh, he's been teaching me a lot of things. So he taught me how to use his FL studio and set me up with a bunch of stuff on on my computer, and I started just messing around, um, creating some bluegrass jam tracks, and the first one I did was that Billy in the Low Ground track. And it's guitar and bass and mandolin chops, and in order to do the mandolin, what I did is I set up my little digital H4N recorder, 
and an AKG C1000S microphone, same exact thing I'm using right now to record this podcast. Of course, you know I convert the podcast to a lower quality and also put it out in mono, but you know, this was a full-blown, you might say HD, the highest possible quality digital recording, and the tracks that I ended up with are stereo, of course. So it's not as degraded a sound as you would get on a slightly lower quality MP3, which is the way I put the podcast out, so you can download it faster. All right, I'm getting sidetracked. But the point is, I started playing my mandolin, and I thought, you know, if I'm going to do a bunch of these, it would just be really cool if I had a bunch of G chords and a bunch of A chords and C chords and D chords and chops and all this kind of stuff without having to re-record that every time. What if I just record it and then edit it together? Like, when I need a G, I pull up the G chop, chop, you know? And so I recorded me playing rhythm chops on all 12 major chords and all 12 minor chords. And I had this massive file with like eight repetitions of each chord. And I didn't know what to do with it. I really didn't know how to use this in any way. Well, Jackson stepped in and taught me. It's good when your 12-year-old son teaches you stuff. And what I essentially did was the same thing that if you if you do any kind of digital music creation, you may be familiar with the term sampling. So what I was doing was creating my own samples of me playing. And then once you've got the samples, you could essentially play mandolin by pushing notes on your MIDI keyboard, or in his case, that Yamaha uh, MIDI piano that he's got. So every time you hit the G note, you hear chop. You know, it's a a nice G chop chord on my F5 artist mandolin from 1985. And it's me. It sounds sounds just like the way I play it. Well, it's because it is me. And I thought, well, okay, you put four of them in a row, chop, 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 chop. You need a bass part. You need a guitar part. And I started working in this DAW and built a bunch of tracks. As you probably already know, because I've I've been peddling them for quite some time. I offer on my store a set of 55 bluegrass jam tracks, which they're so handy for practicing. And you've got, you know, a bunch of tunes at multiple speeds. I've been peddling those for a long time, but I always thought, well, you need more songs, more songs, more songs. So over the past maybe 10 days, all I have done is sat in front of a computer, aside from fixing the lawnmower and doing the gardening stuff and mowing and, you know, feeding the chickens and all the other stuff you have to do, cooking breakfast and, you know. But all of my time has been sent, spent sitting in front of the computer trying to catch up with Jackson and learn how to do these things. And I started cranking out bluegrass jam tracks. Well, today, this morning, I uploaded to my store the new Bluegrass Jam Tracks collection number two. And it's 70 tracks. And I kind of went nuts on it because I wanted to give a full spectrum of tempos so that an absolute beginner 
working on this particular tune. Let's say you're working on Angeline the Baker. That's the first track. Let's say you're trying to learn it and you're a beginner. Well, you use the first track at 70 beats a minute. And when you get a little better, you move to 80, then 90, then 100, 110, 120, 130. So I created all these at seven tempos each. So it's 10 songs at seven tempos. And you heard one in the last podcast I had uh, finished up. And by the way, for those of you who didn't figure out what song that was, that was There's More Pretty Girls Than One. That's the answer to that question. That was the outro music to the last episode. And that's one of the tracks, and it is there at seven tempos. All ten, tra- all ten tunes slash songs are at seven different tempos. And let me tell you what a chore this was. Not only the recording of the samples and the editing and the assembly work and the outputting, but I spent the entire day yesterday, all of my free available time, listening to the out final output of tracks. I'm almost sick of these tunes. But I have to listen to them. I want to listen to every track from start to finish to make sure there's not a little glitch or a little error, a little dropout, a little click, a little something, you know. So much like this podcast, when I record the podcast, I think I'm done. I edit it. I don't just upload it. First thing I do is I slap it on my iPod and I walk around the yard pulling a few weeds or something. And I listen to the whole thing because, you know, maybe I... There was something in there that uh, slipped through the cracks, you might say. Well, I had to do that with, imagine doing that with 70. It, It could be kind of boring to listen to when you're not playing along because, you know, it's just the rhythm section. Imagine, you know, you got a band up there just playing nothing but rhythm, you know, guitar, mandolin, bass, and they're just going through the tunes, but nobody's playing any lead or singing. And so just listening to them is, uh, they're not meant for listening. They're meant to play with. And they're fun to play with. I pulled out my mandolin and started playing with them. I pulled out my bass. I pulled out my dobro. I even pulled out my fiddle on some of the tunes. And uh, you you wouldn't have want to heard that. But uh, like on Liberty, nah, Liberty was pretty good. Anyway, I'm talking about this just to tell you I'm planning to do some more too. So if you have... Go take a look at the two collections that I have now. Look at the titles. And if there are any particular tunes that you wish you had a good quality jam track that sounds really good and has rock solid timing and at a variety of tempos, if you've got a title that you'd like to see, take a look at those two and send me an email. Brad at BradleyLaird.com and say, hey, when you do volume three, how about put in this song in this key, you know? And I'll do it, because I I don't really want them for myself. I mean, I, I do play with them, and I, I play with jam tracks all the time, especially right now in this situation. I'm playing a lot with jam tracks, and I always have when I've been practicing trying to learn an instrument, like the dobro especially lately. Uh, but you know, I got a lot of stuff and, uh, but if there's something you want, just 
send me an email and say, hey, in volume three, put in this tune or these, these couple of tunes. I'm happy to do it. Uh, so how can you find this thing? Well, right now, if you're, you know, you might be listening to this five years from now, and it, it's likely will have changed then. But right now, it's if you go to my website, you know, I've got my little Twitter feed up in the upper left corner of most of the main category pages. And there is in my Twitter feed a link straight to the volume two Bluegrass Jam tracks. So that's how you can find it. But you can also find it by going to grasstalkradio.com. Slide down that increasingly ridiculously long list of episodes to this episode. Click that. Go to the show notes page and I will put a link to the new Volume 2 Jam Tracks collection where you can find it easily. And I hope you enjoy them. Um, you know, it takes a lot of work to put these things together, but I, I like to have something that really sounds good. And my suggestion is play them over quality speakers. A qual you know, you're not going to get the full richness of the tone um, out of an iPhone speaker or little little half-inch speakers in your laptop or something, or maybe not even your little Bluetooth you know, speaker you bought in the checkout line at Walmart. I mean, it's better, but play about a good system or try them with headphones. You know, I've, I did a whole thing, I think an episode called How to Pick with Grisman, where I was talking about playing along with tracks and records and stuff. You know, headphones can be good too. A lot of times when I use headphones, I pull one earpiece slightly back off of one ear so I can hear my own instrument better. Um, but I much prefer just to have them on the big stereo, you know, the big three-way speakers that I bought at JC JCPenney's uh, back in 1978 or something. Put them on those, man. That's what I like. Anyway, they are set up with the bass in the center, the guitar panned a little bit to one side and the mandolin panned a little bit to the other side. Um, I hope you enjoy them. Uh, scope them out. I will... Uh, also, I haven't put it up on my website yet, so I, I just uploaded to the store today. So I'm just going to make that show notes link directly to there. But I will be adding it to my Jam Tracks page on the site. Probably do that later today or tomorrow. And I'll put a couple sample tracks. But you heard the, uh, the one last week as the outro. And they're pretty long. I tried to make them come out to... I was using four minutes as kind of my standard, so there's enough repetitions to get you about to the four-minute point, but, you know, as the tempos increased, they would get a little shorter, and as the tempos decreased, they're a little longer, so they're good and long, so you can really get into a tune if you want to play it over and over and over. They're pretty long, and of course, you can always put them on repeat in your playlist, that type of thing, but anyway... Please use them and please enjoy them. Um, last thing I want to do for this episode, um, since I don't really have a point for this episode, is uh, just tell you about a little Father's Day gift that I got. I've, you know, I've got my computer, I've got my Mac, very old, worn out Mac that can't hardly be updated and everything. I do the majority of my stuff on it still. And I've got this 
Windows laptop that Jackson bought and wasn't sufficient for his high-powered needs, so I ended up with it. And I do certain things on it that I cannot do on the Mac. But I, I don't run around connected at the hip with an iPhone, a smartphone, all that kind of thing. I got a little flip phone, which I don't even carry with me most of the time. So I don't stay plugged into the Facebook and Twitter and all that. So again, you, you're welcome to visit my Facebook and Twitter places, but don't expect to communicate with me through that. Always use email. And I carry around an iPod a lot because I like to listen to music and I jam, I put all my jam tracks on there and I've got like a playlist called, um, you know, Dobro Practice. And I've put up, you know, put all the tunes in there that I'm presently working on and stuff like that. And I use it for podcasts, you know, the podcasts that I listen to. I, so I'm carting around this little iPod all the time. I'm on my third one, by the way. I've had a variety of iPods over the years, and they've all ultimately died. And this one is beginning to go south. I think there's something wrong with the charge connector. Uh, probably just full of dirt and stuff from carrying it in my back pocket while I'm out in the garden digging potatoes. But anyway, my wonderful family realized that I might need a new little eye gizmo. And uh, for Father's Day, they got me one of these little Amazon Fire 7 tablets. It's just a little dinky tablet, and they sell it to you for 40 bucks. And I was like, how can they, how can they, this is, you know, if you bought this from Apple, it'd be 450 bucks. Why is this 40 bucks or 45 or whatever it was? Well, I figured it out because every time you turn it on, you get an ad. You get an ad for Colgate toothpaste or some video game or whatever. And as long as you can put up with that and you just cancel, you know, then, you know, it's pretty inexpensive. And I, I've, I've found, uh, I've been using uh, a new, because they, of course, don't have the Apple apps on there. I guess it's an Android type of device. Um, but... The Android, yeah, that's that's what it is. I'm, I'm scrolling through my iPod right now looking for something while I'm talking. I probably should pay attention to the podcast that I'm doing. Um, anyway, this thing's pretty cool. And it's, you know, it's. I was telling Jackson, he was like, what do you want for Father's Day? I said, well, you know, I use these little reading glasses. You know, I buy them in a three-pack at Tractor Supply, the 1.25 diopter. And they're always breaking, and I'm always losing them. They're always filthy. But I can't read up close anymore without them. So, you know, I'm wearing them, hooking them in the top of my T-shirt. And I'm always feeling around, where are they? Where are they? And I said, you know what I need, Jackson, is some, buy me, like, a couple more packs of those reading glasses. Because every time I'm trying to read my iPod here and trying to read email on it, it's so small, and then I'm always looking for my glasses. Well... Instead of the glasses, he got me the Amazon Fire, which, you know, is about twice as big as the iPod. So thanks, Mom, and thanks, Jackson, for the slightly larger screen. So now I don't have to hunt for my glasses quite as much. Anyway, that's it for this episode. Um, I, I was talking to a guy yesterday about... Uh, doing an interview on a bluegrassy type subject that I think you'll be interested in, and he has agreed to it, so uh, have got that coming up. Um, anyway, let's all keep our chins up, 
If you can't go out and pick with your friends, you can pick with the tracks, you know? So keep your chops up, get that thing out, and be playing it. Don't wait. I know a lot of people are getting really rusty right now. And, you know, to be honest, sometimes I'm just in such a foul mood, I don't feel like picking. I'm sure you've probably been there, done that. <laughs> anyway, kind of hard to... Uh, have your heart in it sometimes when all the things that I preach all the time, you can't do. But you can do this, you can practice, and you can play with those tracks. So y'all have a, have a wonderful week, and I will talk to you in the next episode of the fabulous Grass Talk Radio. See y'all later. Oh, hey, and one more thing before I forget. I promised Jackson, my 12-year-old son, that I would mention the new music EP that he has just released. And, uh, you know, he's been on the show and he's read some of the uh, reader emails and I talk about him all the time. He, and he's, he was my, he is my mentor for all this digital recording, audio workstation knowledge. And so he had hand in those tracks too, but he's of course busy with his own things. I've mentioned before that he, you know, at school, has been playing the cello and the French horn, and he's really into piano, too. He's been doing piano for, I don't know, four or five years now. He's getting pretty good. Um, anyway, I promised him also that I would mention his EP. Now, this is not bluegrass. If I can ever get him interested in bluegrass, that would be wonderful. He might not think it's so wonderful, but he's into this electronic music uh, production and when you hear his tracks, I just want you to know that what you're hearing are not a bunch of canned garage band loops where it's you just drag these loops in and call it your song. He's actually writing this stuff. The notes you are hearing the uh, are composed by him, and the stuff is just getting better all the time. Uh, anyway, if if you're kind of into that. Um, I will also on today's show notes page, and you know how to get there. Um, I'll put a link to his his new four song EP, which I added to my store. So you can go to my PayHip store, and it's just poked in there because he needed a place where he could distribute it. And you can go over there and uh, download it for free if you like. Uh, scope out his brand new EP. And it's fun stuff. In fact, I'm going to use a little bit of one of his tunes and some outro music. Forgive me, bluegrass purist. This is not bluegrass, but uh, the boy is creating some cool music. So let's go out with one of Jackson's tracks. And you can go get the other, all four of them, uh, by going to the show notes page following that link. All right, take it away, Jackson. <laughs> 